born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, the church, the church, any church, cannot save you. It can't pay for your sins. No church can get you to heaven. No preacher, no priest, no anybody can get you to heaven. Because if, if they could, then why did Christ die? We wouldn't need him. Christ came into the world for a reason. Because you and I cannot save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. And because our sin separates us from the Lord. See, I can't get to the Lord. He can't get with me because sin separates us. So what did Christ do? Christ took all the sin because he didn't have any. He didn't have to die. But he took our sin. Now, when he took our sins, God, the Father, smit his own son because he had upon him the sins of the world. And when he paid for the sins of all the world, he came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put that payment to your account and you get to go to heaven on what he did. You don't earn it. You can't work for it. And you can't buy it. It's the gift of God. When I was 18 years old, I heard this for the first time. I was not a religious kid. I didn't go to church. I didn't have, I didn't have to pay money because I didn't go. I didn't pray. But I was in a little old living room one night when a man explained it to me and it made more sense to me than anything I've ever heard. It was a gift. It was free. I didn't know eternal life was free. I didn't know it was a gift. That all I had to do is believe he did it for me and he would save me, give me eternal life, and I would get to go to heaven on what Christ did. See, if I offered you my wallet and you accepted, what would you have? Empty wallet. If I offered you my Bible and you accepted, you'd have a Bible. Well, if Christ walks in here and offers you eternal life and you accept it, you would have eternal life. Well, if it's eternal life, how long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes, that's what it's about. See, most people think you have to wait till you die to find out where you're going. Well, you don't have to wait. God already says you're not going unless you trust Christ. Well, I did, so I can know I'm going. He said, these things have are written unto you that believe it, that you may know that you have eternal life. So can you know you have eternal life? Yes. How many of you in this room know right now beyond a shadow? If you die, you'd go to heaven. Let me see your hand. All right, just, all right put it down. There's a lot of y'all in here. I hope all of you. But if you can't honestly raise your hand, it's because you haven't trusted Christ as your only hope of getting there. 
If you believe your good works help get you to heaven, well, you know that you may not, you know, live good enough for the rest of your life. So you'll have questions and doubts. But your works cannot save you. And that's why Christ died. Now he says, go into all the world and preach this gospel, this good news to everybody in the world. Now the question comes down is, what is part of the main thrust of these people here in these first 12 chapters over here? Well, this is what it says. And I want to just kind of read this very quickly to you. In verse 3, he says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, the people he's talking to, they didn't know anything, even the disciples. He wasn't talking to them about the church age. I don't believe he was talking about He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom, setting up the kingdom upon the earth. You see, how do I think this? Why? Look in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of heaven or to Israel? So they knew the Lord evidently spent a lot of time, 40 days, talking to them about the kingdom, talking to them about him returning and setting up the kingdom to Israel, restoring the kingdom to Israel. At that time, see, they were under the iron heel of Rome. And so the apostles at the very beginning were looking for the Lord to come back. And I believe they were expecting him to show up at any time. But the Lord put it contingent upon Israel acceptance. Now, they rejected him as the Savior. Now he offers himself as the king. And they will still rebel against the Lord. Even after all the evidence is in, he told them about all the evidence and who he was and what he was going to do, and then he died just right on schedule, fulfilling all these prophecies. Now he tells them what else he's going to do, and now he says, preach the gospel. Now, I want you just to take your Bible real quick there and look in chapter 2. Chapter 2, look there in verse 22. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 Peter is now preaching his first message. But look at what kind of a message it is. It's not a message about the church and building the church. It's about Israel. And what does he say to Israel? Well, he says this. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. In other words, you saw it. You were here. You saw what he did. This wasn't done in the dark, not hidden in the corner. This was out public. And he even did all these miracles and so forth that he did and showed himself by many infallible proofs. And more proof that you could not fail to believe he has to be who he claimed to be. Beside being crucified on the cross and coming back from the dead. That would have been enough for me. But now look what he says. In verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now Peter put it right on them and says, ye have crucified the Lord of glory. You did it. So were they guilty? Yes, they were guilty. Were the Romans guilty? Yes, the Romans were guilty. He died for me. I'm guilty. You see, he died for the whole world. But the Bible says this is, he came to you as a nation 
and the nation rejected him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But then he says in verse 24, whom, the one you rejected, the one you crucified. See, Peter don't pull any punches, and I will not either. He lays it right on their doorstep, and he says, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. In other words, he was no longer responsible. The payment was made. He's free to come back again from the dead. And look in verse 25. There's five things that I want to show you very quickly. Number one, this man, this man in verse 25, Jesus is the subject of the Old Testament prophecy. And so he says, David speaketh concerning him. Who is the him? It's the same one up there in verse 22 and 23 and 24. It's this one that God brought into the world, did all these wonders and miracles and signs, and this is the one you crucified him. David's the one that told you about him. David told about him. So you'll notice he is the same man that's the subject of Old Testament prophets. And then he makes this statement in verse 25. He says, this man, Jesus, he is the Lord. I foresaw the Lord, L-O-R-D. That's a reference to Jehovah, God himself. Always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, moreover, and also my flesh shall rest in hope. Now look at verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine. And here's these two words, holy one. Now you can read all the way back here in the book of Isaiah about the holy one of Israel. The holy one, the holy one, the holy one. Uh, This is the holy one. It's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one that was promised. David spoke concerning him. So who is this him? Him, he is the Lord. Him is the Messiah. That is who he is. And then he makes a statement here also in verse 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. He is the Messiah. It's clear as a bell about who is this one. He says he is Christ. Well, look in verse 30, where he says, Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. On his throne, he is king. So he is God, and he is the one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And then you find out, yes, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the king. Now, So they were talked to about the Lord coming back and setting up the kingdom upon the earth. And so they said, well, thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel. So I believe that it was a legitimate offer. I believe it's another legitimate offer. And Israel also refused. See, some of the people believed. But a lot of the people did not believe. The rulers, the leaders would not believe. Uh, Look there in chapter 3, the book of Acts and chapter 3. And notice what he says here in verse 12. There's a, a little thing I want you to see down through here. And when Peter saw it, he answered, 
unto the people, ye men of Israel. So who are we talking to? Are we talking to the church or are we talking to Israel? We're talking to Israel. We're talking about the nation. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about the Son of God coming back again. You see, if they had, even after the crucifixion of Christ, if they had believed, I believe Christ would have come back. And so you had Peter preaching this message to the people, and they would not believe it. Paul went and preached, and they would not believe it. So at the end of it, Paul says, you're on your own. I'm going to the Gentiles in 70 AD. The whole thing fell. But look there in Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power of holiness we had made this man to walk? Because they had made a man walk again. In verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. I want they could get the gist of what he's saying. Do you realize that Peter... They could, they could stone you for this. I mean, you're making people mad. You're causing people to have to face something. See, a lot of people don't want to face the truth. You are going to die. Did you know that? You are going to die. I talked to a man the other day. He said, I, I, don't, I don't like to talk about death. Sir, you are going to die. And what then? You're going to die. What then? Where are you going to go then? So... Here he says, God hath glorified his son Jesus, whom whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. They knew he was determined to let him go. He would have let him go. But no, you wouldn't do it. It looks like Peter is pointing his finger and he's saying, you are guilty, like it or not. And guess what else he says? In verse 24, uh, verse 14, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you. He don't pull no punches, does he? Hitting him right between the eyes, ain't he? Is this a scared little fellow that um, whenever they took Christ that night and he went and hid and he followed afar off and he denied, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy. Is this the same man? Where'd all this boldness come from? He saw him crucified. He saw him come back from the dead. And, buddy, if you can come back from the dead, who cares how many times you kill me? I can always come back. You say, I'm going to kill you. Go for it. I'm not afraid to die. I can come back from the dead. But anyway, as we're moving right along, he says here in verse 15, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, Whereof we are all witnesses, witnesses. You shall be a witness. You're supposed to be living testimony of who Christ is. As you live in front of your wife or your children or your husband, you're telling who is Christ. You're a witness in the home. You're a witness in the church. You're a witness on your job. You might be a bad witness, a pathetic witness, but you are testifying. You may be by your life, denying the Lord that bought you by the way you live. Just by keeping your mouth shut, you are denying the Lord. You're denying people the right to hear the truth. But look what he says in verse 16. 
And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in all the presence of you all. And now, brethren, verse 17, very important. And now, brethren, I know that you through ignorance did it, as did also your rulers. You were ignorant. You did not know who he was. But now, but those things which God has before shown by the mouth of, and you ought to underline these three, all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. In other words, he's saying that all the prophets talk about Christ making a payment for sins. And you know what? The verse says so. Now, when you go back there and you say, well, I don't see it, I don't see it. It didn't mean they didn't say it and didn't teach it just because they didn't write it. And it's probably written in a way that we can't see it. Maybe there's a veil over our eyes. But now get verse 19. Repent ye therefore. Be converted. Change your mind. Think differently. Reconsider that this one that you rejected, he is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Prince of Life. And if you, if you as a nation, if you will change your mind and accept this one, this Messiah, as your Savior, as your King, did you realize that God will send him back? You say, I didn't say that. I ain't finished yet. Look at verse 19. He says, that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, God is going to take his people. And one day, when he comes back in power and great glory and every eye will see him, Israel will be saved in a day. That's going to literally happen. And he's going to come back to the earth, and there's going to be this revolution upon the earth in which God is going to set up his kingdom. But I believe he's letting them know also something else. If the nation of Israel... That's why he says in verse 19, repent ye therefore, therefore, believe who he is, who he claimed to be, believe it. And then he says in verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached unto you. If you believe it, if you'll do this, God will send him. I believe they forfeited the kingdom beforehand and afterwards that God made a legitimate offer to the nation of Israel. And that Christ could have come back. He's not talking about the church. They don't know anything about the church. The church is going to be started, yes. And it started on the day of Pentecost. And that which the builders rejected became the head of the corner of the church. But he was of the nation of Israel. But they rejected him. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. And yet they could have had so much. And they messed up and they blew it all. Look what he says there in verse 21. Whom... And get this, this is temporary. Whom the heavens must receive, get this, until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God's men in the Old Testament, they preached concerning what's going on right now. And that if they had believed, the Lord could have come back. There could have been a, a major wipeout and a battle. You're talking about with the, the Rome and, and all the, the powers that be upon the earth, and God could have set up this kingdom. But God, knowing the future, God being God, do you think that God knew before he ever sent his son into the world that the world was going to reject him and 
put him on a cross? God knew that. That's why there's scriptures about it. Do you think God knew that Israel was going to reject? And he already had plans on there's going to be a church. You see, that doesn't eliminate a legitimate offer made by God himself to the nation of Israel. But as Peter preached, the people got mad. And they hated Peter for what he was preaching. And they commanded Peter, don't you preach in his name anymore. And Peter says, okay. No, he didn't say that. And they could put him in prison. And they did. And here's 2,000 years has taken place since then. We have the greatest message in all the world. As you go through the book of Acts and you study it, it's just one soul-winning story after the other. First with Peter and then with Paul. And a few others sprinkled in between. But you see, it's the Acts of the Apostles as they were guided by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we say, though, it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the gospel is about Christ. This is about the Holy Spirit. But you and I, without the Holy Spirit within us, can do nothing. So the Holy Spirit living within us, God has given to us the command. And we are still to do with the message of what he told them to do. So if you want to know what did he mean when he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, read the book of Acts and see what did they do. Don't you think the apostles were obedient? Yes, they were. Well, then what did they do? How did they live? How did they die? And you'll find out it wasn't to make money in this world. It was all about Christ. It was all about getting the message out. That's why I love our radio broadcasts, and that's why they have these meetings with the, you know, the little kids in Awana, and they have the uh, Reformers Unanimous or the ranch and all that. Everything that we do is because we want people to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody worked? Did you realize that we might need some workers still in Sunday school? You know, we might need some people to help in some of the teenagers to come out and help with ranch. Did you know things don't happen unless people care? But to get involved... This day is going to pass. We're, we're going to be out of here. I was just thinking the other day, and I, was, I, was, I don't forget who I was talking to. After a while, it don't matter. <laughs> I said, Hank's gone. I knew Hank in 1964. Now, now he's up in heaven. He beat me there. Danny Adams, I led to the Lord, and he was passing a church up there for almost 40 years in Minnesota. He's gone. Sonny Blue Eye that I used to go into camps with, big old Indian. He's dead now. Dick Haynes, it was over here in St. Pete. He, he's dead now. And I got people all over. And some of them are not as old as I am. I'm going to be an old codger. And, but then as I look out here, I feel young. <laughs> but one of these days, see, we're, we're all going to go. And when we get to heaven, we'll probably look back and think, you know, I wish I'd have done more. If I'd have only done more. Because there's so many people that's never heard. And that's why we got to keep doing what we're doing. It's so easy to just stop, just quit. It's not worth it. But it is worth it. Look up here. I ain't never figured out why my tie always leans to the right. But I would rather lean to the right than lean to the left. (laughs) There's a message in there somewhere. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... 
You see, joining this church won't get you to heaven. A couple Sundays ago, uh, we had a baptismal service, and I baptized some people. Being baptized in water won't get you to heaven. You say, well, I've been baptized. That will not save you. Water will not wash the dirt off your neck unless you use soap with it. It's not going to wash away your sins. That's why Christ died to pay for all of our sins. And see, if you only understood how simple this is. Now, think for a moment. I'm just going to ask you two questions to start with. Question number one. Isn't it true that you've heard most of your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? Most people have heard that. If he paid for all the sins of the world, why should I have to go to hell and pay for sin if he paid for all of my sins? If he paid for all of my sins, why should I have to pay for one sin? And the answer is because I don't accept the payment he made. If I don't accept what he did for me, then I'm guilty and I will be eternally separated from the Lord. So you see, the sign of a sound mind would be to trust Christ as your Savior. We're all sinners. We've all done things wrong. Christ paid for it. How many? All. Came back from the dead and said if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That good news? That's the best news. That is why God says, class, go into all the world and preach this man every creed. Why do you want everybody to hear? Because there's nothing they have to do. It's a gift. It's free. It's free. He didn't say you had to turn from sin, change your life, stop this, stop that, join this, join that. Just like you are. Accept Christ as your Savior. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, friend, would you trust him right now? Just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And right now, in the quietness of this moment, I will accept Jesus Christ and him alone as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, God said if you would trust him right now, he would save you right now, give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. So would you do that? I am going to have a word of prayer for you. I am going to ask you to raise your hand. It's just to let me know that what I said made sense. So is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. And I'd like you to pray for me. Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just very quickly, just slip it up. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. If you want to be certain of going to heaven then all you have to do is believe that when Christ died, he paid for your sins. See, God's in heaven, and he knows if you believe it. He said, if you believe it, you can know right now you'll go to heaven when you die. Because, you see, he paid for all of your sins. You don't have to pay for it. I know we don't deserve it. It's by grace and grace alone. It's a gift. It's free. Anyone else before we close say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down? Yes, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I appreciate it. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Just slip it up, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. It's a sign of good judgment. Because, you see, eternal life is free. It's a gift. And all you had to do is believe it. You can do that. We're not asking you to stop anything, join anything. We're just asking you to receive something. So by accepting Christ as your Savior... 
He gives you eternal life. So when you get up to leave, you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because today I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He died for me. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you so much for these this morning who indicated by an uplifted hand that they would accept that payment you made on the cross for them. And Father, by doing so, they become your child, your child forever. We know that you give them eternal life, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. We thank you, Lord, for each person here. Bless each one. Bless our studies in the book of Acts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me